Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars, Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the Lead to Soar podcast. I am your co-host, Mel Butcher, and I am thrilled to be bringing you a discussion today with Michelle Redfern, Susan Colantuno, and myself. And this was a great one for me to learn from Susan and Michelle. I know that you are going to learn a lot too. The topic that we're covering is executive presence. What is it? Why do you need it? How do you get it? So for returning listeners, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here today. This is absolutely going to be one of my favorite episodes of this season, if not the entire show. And if you're new to Lead to Soar, Welcome. We are a production of A Career That Soars, which is a networking space and resource platform for ambitious career women. So if you're a woman looking to advance in your career, you're looking to climb maybe a corporate ladder or even in government or nonprofit world, A Career That Soars is built for you. We'd love for you to check us out. Of course, you can get to us at acareerthatsoars.com. And to access show notes and other information regarding the podcast, you can find that at leadtosoar.com. Let's not wait another minute. Let's dive right into Executive Presence with Michelle Redfern and Susan Colantuno. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Lead to Soar. I am joined today by Michelle Redfern and Susan Colantuno. Welcome. 
Thanks, Mel. It's always great to be with you. Nice to be here with my two of my three co-hosts of A Career That Soars. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about something that I'm going to learn from today. So I'm excited about this. We're here to talk about executive presence. So I just want to kick this off with the obvious question. What is executive presence? How do you define it? Before I answer how I define it, I was attending very carefully to a LinkedIn uh, post quite a while ago where the person who originated the post asked that very question, what is executive presence? And a lot of the comments struck me as not being particularly helpful for women who want to develop executive presence. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. So I had come up with a definition of executive presence, which is it's the ability to draw and comfortably hold attention while delivering a business savvy message. So I'm going to, my version of executive presence is what it is not. Mm -hmm. And the background and the context to this is in the in the realms of the advice, the conventional advice that women are given from the career start, often all the way through to the boardroom, which still focuses in on things around getting a profile, get a mentor, uh, be speak up, be confident, uh, this, that and the other. And what it, what executive presence often is, uh, brings to mind is appearance and tone of voice, uh, modulation, this, that, and the other. And, and interestingly enough, I, uh, Susan, you will know that you know you and I have both used a video of Ursula Burns uh, a number of times in our work to demonstrate something that we call the language of power. Mm-hmm. And I'm often faced with comments about from women about that video about the fact she doesn't really have good executive presence because she has uh, perhaps not fallen into what we would call a conventional picture of a charismatic well-modulated delivery and so frankly I get a little bit annoyed so what it isn't is about appearance and tone of voice and the way you the way you speak and appear what it is about is the concepts that you convey the outcomes that you can create and to your point Susan the fact that you can get people that matter the right others to what it is that you need to say so Michelle I absolutely agree with what you're saying because as I thought about what would make advice about executive presence more meaningful to women, what I realized is that the conventional advice about things like have confidence, have the right appearance. I can't tell you how many articles on executive presence advise women to go get a makeover. Yep. Conventional advice like be authentic, know your value, 
these are, you know, have poise, make eye contact. These are all really important pieces of advice. And I started envisioning them as a central core around which other kinds of career-related presence develops. So you have the central core of someone who's confident, speaks clearly, engages their audience. That's a kind of presence that a preacher could have, that an actor could have, that a politician could have, but that's not executive presence. So to me, that core is required, it's important, but you're right, it is not the definition of executive presence. That piece that you touched on and that I mentioned earlier is the ability to, con like what Ursula Burns does in that video, is the ability to communicate about the business in a way that executives and board members see as credible. And to me, that's what's often meant when someone says a woman doesn't have gravitas, it's because she's not speaking the language of power or which is the language business. Yep, and, and which is that perfect segue into to my build on that, which is when you draw attention and, and I'm visualising people around a boardroom table or a meeting room table, you know, or around a Zoom table as it is these days. <laughs> yeah. How do, in fact, that is actually a really good, I'm going off into a tangent as I do, but we know that whilst the power of technology has enabled many knowledge workers to work very successfully and for some people extremely well, you know, remote, Zoom and what have you, but it's even more important that the messages that we're conveying in those meetings and in those forums are wrapped up in executive presence, which is how will people pay attention to what it is that I'm saying and the language of power is the language of business outcomes. In other words, what am I saying that's going to help the organisation? And people know that I'm, I'm saying this, that's going to help the organisation move forward, meet its strategic and financial goals. Right. And that's what women are not told enough about. And, yeah, sure, you know, I, I know that you can't present yourself, you know, looking scruffy, and but no one could present themselves looking scruffy and, not being able to string two sentences together well and what have you, but it's actually then, you know, there's a bit of form, but there's also content. It's the content that matters. Yes. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. With the word executive in it, I almost wonder if some listeners might kind of think, well, hey, I don't need that because I'm not an executive, but that's really not true. So could you talk to us about who needs executive presence and why? My view is that every woman at every career stage needs to think about executive presence. So it's never too early and it's never too late to put on your mantle of leadership in your career. So, and the reason that it's so important is even as an individual contributor at career start, one of the foundational pieces of, of knowledge and the mindset that I need to have is to be for the business. How does my role contribute to the organisation meeting its strategic and financial goals? 
Therefore, how does my language, how does the way I conduct myself, the meetings that I'm in, the recommendations that I make, the ideas that I come up with, how do I make sure that I'm heard? And, you know, if you think about times that you've either said yourself or heard, oh, they never listen to my ideas, this is where executive presence is so important because when the ideas are overtly linked to what executives what CEOs lie awake at night and think about, that's when your ideas will be listened to. That's executive presence. And that's why it's important at every career stage. Right. I I think about it as a journey in that while at the very start of my career, to make this, to reflect on my personal journey, at the start of my career, I was kind of a cowed uh, college graduate who knew nothing about business. So what I had to work on was some of that core advice that women are given. Have confidence, speak up, look people in the eye, um, speak clearly. The content that I was working on was not, it wasn't necessarily the big picture financial language. It was a combination of understanding the business, but also my professional expertise. So to me, when I think about executive presence and the journey that all women should be working on, no matter what the stage of their career, is it's got that core. If you think about it as concentric circles, the core is what is traditionally the advice given to women about confidence and you know look the role and and all of that around that is a language of your profession because you know i think about mel for example the language of engineering you have to be credible in speaking the language of engineering when you're working within your professional content text and to Michelle, the point you're making, the more you can tie that, what the professional issues are to the business outcomes, which at any stage of your career are useful to understand, the better. So I think about the executive presence journey as the core, professional presence is the second concentric circle, and then around that, executive presence, which is that ability to speak in the language of power, to speak the language of business outcomes, to to speak to the issues that keep executives up at night, as you said, Michelle. So for our listeners who are maybe hearing this concept of the language of power for the first time, I wonder if we might give them just a hypothetical example. I can give one from my early career. When I got my first real challenging project assignment, It was to design and uh, develop with a team from the IT department, a system to pay long-term disability claims. So I could talk about getting the system developed on time and on budget, which was an important result, but what no one told me and I couldn't talk about, but is getting to the point of what you're asking now, is the system was being developed to serve key business outcomes. They wanted to retain customers by making sure the disability payments 
were being paid on time and correctly, but they also wanted to reduce loss. So increase margin by reducing loss and by making sure that people who weren't eligible weren't getting paid. So the language of power, if, if now someone asked me, describe why that project was so important, instead of saying, as I did for years, oh, it was delivered on time and on budget, what I would say is it was delivered on time, on budget, and it met the uh, business outcomes that it was funded to drive. It increased uh, customer retention and it decreased the cost of claims that were not truly due to be paid. So it improved margin. The other build on that is also autobiographical, using the language of power for many years, I described a particular role that I had that I was very proud of. Um, so I was the national manager, uh, the manager of the National Activation Centre for Telstra. And in 2001, we still had to ring up, if you bought a mobile phone, you still had to ring Telstra and speak to an operator to get it connected. So my job, I, I ran the contact centres that did that for every customer in Australia. And the way I used to describe that was I'm the, the manager of the National Activation Centre. I have two contact centres with 500 people that work 18 by 7. So awesome. So what I've done is just describe the kind of folks, the inputs and the, the activities, yeah. not the outcomes that I created for Telstra. So now the way I describe that, and I use this, I use this as an illustrative point in every leadership program that I run. And when I talk about the language of Paris, so I was responsible for the contact centre that got Telstra customers calls answered quickly, got them connected to our network so they were making calls, adding to customer satisfaction and adding to our bottom line because revenue was being generated. So, or, or versions of that. Um, so I, I described what the role did for the organisation and its shareholders and the outcomes it was there to create. Whereas I used to describe it as this, as the dimensions of the role. And I think, Mel, for listeners who are thinking, oh, okay, how could I do that? Have a look at your CV, have a look at your LinkedIn and have and the way you've described the jobs or the roles that you have. Have you described how you moved the business forward or have you described the inputs and the activities, i.e., you know, I led a project team with 50 people? Um, on time and on budget is a result, but as you said, Susan, it's a point in time. But what did that do for the business? Did you grow the business? Did you reduce cost for the business? So, yeah, it, it's a that's the language of power that plugs in to executive presence. And and you, Susan, in those those concentric circles, is a really nice visual for people to have build upon, build upon, build upon. That's really helpful. So the language of, of power and the question that you are, you are telling our listeners to ask of themselves, what did it do for the business? Hmm. So the, the Mel, next sorry thing, to jump on yeah. in. And, and the other place that you can demonstrate executive presence by using the language of power is when you are, when you are and I won't say confronted because that's when you have the opportunity to talk about yourself 
with someone, with one of those right others in your organisation. So imagine you're in a workplace, which for some people is a fond but distant memory. Mm. You're walking down the corridor. Think of the most important person in your organisation and they're walking towards you. And you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, Susan's going to ask me who I am, how I am and what I'm up to. Do you ramble on about random stuff or do you talk about the fact that you're really excited to be working on a project that's going to help us retain customers and attract new ones, you know? Or are you going to say, and we, we, in fact, I was talking about this the other day, the B word, busy, because I'm really busy. God, I'm busy really, really busy. Okay. But are you busy on the right stuff? So executive presence can be used in so many different contexts, not just around an executive or a boardroom table. It's it's an opportunity to talk about your role in taking the business where it needs to go. Um, or suggesting ideas or challenging the status quo. So it's it's hugely, hugely important part of women's capability and capacity development process. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. about some of the CEOs, women and men, who I've seen speaking publicly, and some of them are the whole package. They have the confidence, the poise, the ability to communicate effectively. They don't use ums and ahs, and they speak the language of outcomes. And some speak the language of the outcomes really well, which they have to do in order to speak to Wall Street, in order to speak to the directors on their boards. But they don't have the, that core fully developed. Some of them use ah and um quite frequently. I think what's important, the best of all possible worlds is to have both that strong core of poise, confidence, clarity of speaking, directness of speaking, and the right messaging about business outcomes. You can get by with some faults in your style of speaking on your journey toward executive presence, but you cannot get by if you don't learn the language of power. And Michelle has given a whole bunch of opportunities for practicing it, to which I would add, whether you're making a proposal 
suggesting an idea, which Michelle mentioned, or whether you're challenging someone others, someone else's idea or have the opportunity to comment on someone else's idea. The more you ground it in the key business outcomes, the more heard you will be. The other reason that the language of power is important, and you can start practicing it at any stage of your career, and, and it helps in the journey toward being seen as having executive presence, is in conflict situations. Oftentimes, conflict situations can be eased and move toward resolution if someone in the room asks, what's the key business outcome that we're trying to achieve here? And what are the good ways of getting there? So elevating the awareness of everyone in the room to the fact that the reason all of us are being paid is to move the business forward, to help it achieve its strategic goals and financial targets. Yeah, you just made me recall, Susan, another way of that challenge. And it's not always up the up line either. It can be down the line. I, I used to run a forum called the Big Forum, which was the Big Ideas Group um, in, in the when I first started working in the contact centre uh, in the bank, uh, my last employer. And the reason I, I started these forums was because I had I had you know, five or 600 bankers, frontline bankers who spoke to customers every single day. And I thought there's got to be a wealth of ideas here about how we can be better for our customers. So I started these big forums and, I, and you know, what I wanted to do was harvest ideas, but not, and, and also give our frontline bankers the opportunity to feel heard and to deal with the frustrations that the system was putting in their way to deal really effectively with customers that they deeply cared about. However, I knew that there would be some gold there, but I knew that there would be some stuff that was never ever going to fly. So I was very careful um, or considered it to start to say, hey, there's three things, there's three three types of ideas Idea one, brilliant, let's do it because it will X, Y, Z link to business outcomes. Two, brilliant, we can't do it now, but we'll probably do it in X, Y, Z because of link to business outcomes. Idea three, brilliant, we're never going to do it because of not linked to business outcomes. And it was a way of setting expectations to those people to say, I want you to be, because we know you've got to, you've got to have a thousand ideas generated to come up with one, one concept kind of thing. So I wanted to give them the opportunity to be really, really radical and think laterally, but also to be to say, we've also got to get real here. You know, it's the old, you've got to have divergent and then convergent thinking around, you know, design thinking. So I think that's another way of using the language of business and demonstrating executive presence to people that you lead to not give them false hope, but also to say, come on, let's keep generating ideas. So there are all sorts of different opportunities, not just at those executive tables or up the line. It can be with your people that you lead as well. So we've been working on an offering around executive presence in a career that soars. What makes it different than perhaps the traditional advice or maybe even courses that are out there directed at women? So all of the courses that I've seen that deal with executive presence, 
use videotape very effectively to help the client develop that core. I have never seen one that focuses on your your professional messaging or the language of power. So my expectation is that it would focus equally on the core as well as on the ability to speak the language of outcomes. And thirdly, that comfort with drawing attention and holding it long enough to deliver that business savvy message. So Susan, I want to explore this, the ability to draw and be comfortable to draw attention to oneself and hold it mm-hmm. because I know from my own experience working with many, many, many women that they often say to me, I don't like being in the spotlight. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to big note myself. I don't want to speak up at meetings for a whole range of reasons, which I won't go into. So I think it's a really important point, being comfortable to have the spotlight put on you. What's your advice there? I It's been my experience that in order to be comfortable having the spotlight on me, I have to know what I'm talking about. Yep. So the foundational to that is to understand the business that I'm moving forward, to understand the context of the issue at hand. So to me, that's really the platform for me to stand on is to know what I'm talking about. Mm. And, that, and and know your positional purpose. Yes, yes. Why am I the person who's important to deliver a message at this moment in time? Yeah. Mm. Mm. And I, I can't overemphasize it enough for um, our listeners, our, our women listeners, to map their role in the organisation. Mm-hmm. Why? is your position funded? So why why is there an investment of whatever your annual wage is? Why is that investment being made? What is the outcome that the organisation's expecting? So figuring out why your role exists, mapping it to the organisation's strategy. And, and for those of you going, oh, I'm so far down in the organisation, I don't really matter. You do because organisations aren't in the business of spending money where they don't have to be. So your role is critical and being able to map that yourself to all the way through to the organisation's strategy is really, really important. And then knowing your job really well. If you're at Career Start, what is my job and how do I achieve mastery of it and how do I demonstrate that? right through to when you're leading others and then leading others who lead others is being able to help everyone understand the purpose of their role, what it is that they bring, what the, what are the outcomes that they and the team create. You know, that's the important stuff. And that foundational knowledge, when you start to think critically through that lens or through, yeah, through that lens, you start to say, well, okay, I, I these are my ideas to make it better. Here are my challenges to the way we do stuff right now but knowing your role inside and out is so so important um and linking it to the business it's it's so often 
Yeah, it frustrates me when I will say to people in listed organisations, what's your share price today? And they don't know. Mm. Or what's, what, what's, what are your four pillars, strategy pillars? I don't know. Got to know that. You know, that's, that's just really basic stuff because then you know, you know what are you going to do to drive the share price up? Oh, I can't do anything. I think you can if you really look at it. If you really look hard at your role and why it's there, why your team exists, why your division exists. So start asking why a lot. And then when you do have the spotlight on you, you can be very, very confident about your role in helping take the business there. That's the presence. That's the executive presence. The the other thing about drawing and holding attention, and it relates to confidence, is not only knowing what I'm talking about, for me, it was not only knowing what I'm talking about, but it was also trusting that I could handle whatever came my way. And here's a tool I use to get to that point. It's the, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen tool. And I would think through what's, if I said something like this, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? And how would I, if it does happen, how would I deal with it? And for most of us, some of of us, what we do is rocket science uh, and we do hold lives in our hands, but for most of us, we don't. And that worst thing that could possibly happen if we do what Michelle was just talking about and we're speaking important things, the worst thing that could happen is we might offend someone who isn't up to par in understanding important things. And is that really a horrible thing? No, hopefully we've elevated that person in some way. So what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? And I have a funny story about this. Uh, The way I first learned the importance of being able to handle whatever came my way was through a nonverbal exercise where the facilitator, this was very early in my career, had me come up and stand in front of the room and get really tense. Every muscle in my body, she said, get tense, hold everything tight. And she tapped from the side, she tapped my shoulder and I almost fell over. So if I'm, if I'm up there, if I'm afraid and I'm tense, I can be unnerved, unseated uh, really easily. Then she said, okay, now what I want you to do is to relax all those muscles you just tensed up and feel your feet sinking into the ground. And she came up and she gave from the side, gave my shoulder a hard push and I just kind of swayed with it and came right back to center. So yeah, delete, uh, diminishing the fear through that, what's the worst thing that can happen is a really powerful tool, as well as just learning how to physically center oneself and be in the moment. That could be a whole other workshop that we offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, uh, the mindset as well, it is interesting, what's the worst yeah. thing that could happen? I always also think, what what might I regret when I walk out of this meeting, when I walk out of this forum? What, you know, what am I going to regret not having done? And I've got this sticky note which escapes me right now, which I put up on my screen from time to time to remind me what what should I do today that future self will thank me for? 
Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, because I used to write, what am I going to regret not doing in one year's time? Then then I, I flipped it to say, what will my future self thank me for doing today? Yeah, really and powerful. It is. And so in those times when we're in forums and we draw the attention, yeah, sure, I could say, oh, I'll just hand to Susan to do that. Or Mel, would you like to take it? And I think there's some generosity around that. That's That's really nice. But also... Is this, a, is this going to be a missed opportunity that I'm going to regret? Yeah. Or what will my future self, what will my future career thank me for today? What will the business thank me for pointing out today? So sometimes it's about getting out of the immediate, Not, I mean, I don't know how to suspend the discomfort about drawing attention. And I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a show pony, so I don't have those feelings very often. But, um, you know, how can I move beyond my own, right now discomfort and think have a bigger a bigger mission and being for the business is around saying the business will benefit from me speaking out right now if I don't speak out I'm not in service of the business and I'm not in service of our customers I'm not in service of my people so it's that that mindset shift as well that work out what you're frightened of work out what's keeping you mum and and, and think about who can you be in service of. It's it's like um, in forums I'll say to people, please ask questions because if you're thinking it, there will be someone else here that is that might not be as brave as you. So be in service of everyone here. Ask the question. It's not a dumb question. It's dumber not to ask. But if you can't do it for yourself, do it for every other woman or, or every other person in this forum. Speak up because it's being in service of, 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 of the other people or the organisation to speak up you're hitting on some self-awareness, right? How, how can I be in service of others? And maybe for some of our listeners who have felt uncomfortable with the spotlight, being of service may very well be speaking up. And for, for other listeners who are perhaps further along in their career and more advanced, perhaps the service is helping identify uh, a woman or an underrepresented minority and helping them get their voice heard 100 so, sometimes it's actually in fact mel that's a really good point because there are times when that self-awareness or self-management part means it actually is now time for me to shut up and <laughs> right. hand the mic to yeah, someone else to someone else yeah mm. Mm. I really am enjoying that we keep coming back to the mantle of leadership as well because that's kind of that's like the early stage, right? Choosing to put on the mantle of leadership. And it is a choice and there are skills associated with it that you can develop. And, and maybe this is uh, this executive presence course that we're working on is something that comes, comes later. Did you want to add something, Susan? You can demonstrate presence. You can demonstrate professional presence. But until you can deliver a business savvy message, that would catch the attention of people above you, it's not executive presence. That's the difference to me. Mm. And no one talks about it that way. Well, the other, the other thing, you know, what, is, what does your boss want you to know? What does your CEO want you to know and talk about and demonstrate? You know, the as I said, we're, we're not, not placeholders in organisations. We are there to create outcomes for the organization 
So again, sometimes it is, it's walking a mile in, in the other person's shoes. What does my boss want me to be thinking about? And interestingly enough, Mel, you and I were having a talk before we, we came on air about the things that hold women back uh, from the perspective of bosses. And sometimes that is, she's so busy. She's got her head down and her rear up and and you know kind of beavering away on the on the tasks but she hasn't taken the time to work out what's going on in my world and I'm not going to consider her for for a promotion or to be my to be my successor because she hasn't demonstrated any understanding of what's going on in my world she's not talking about anything other than her task list when we have a team meeting she's not asking me and being curious about what's going on at my level and the level beyond me. She's not challenging ways to do things better for our customers and for our shareholders and for our people. So again, that executive presence, the ability to command and hold the attention of those more senior to you is not just reserved for those around the executive table. It can start right now. And as you always say, Susan, never too early, never too late to start doing this. It's never too early, but it might be too late. Well, yeah, actually, that <laughs> yes, is, yes, well, yes, depending. Right. Yeah, I think there's but, always the depends, but yeah. Do you want to get shit done for your career? Well, I suggest that you join the Get Shit Done experience in a career that soars. The GSD experience is for women who want to take time out of their full lives to reconnect with themselves, their ambition, they want to kickstart their what's next career plan, plus connect and expand their network of driven and ambitious women. Put simply, the GSD experience is for women who are ambitious and driven. Women who want an accountability partner to give them a kick in the butt when needed. Women who want to supercharge their motivation and confidence. And women who want to either define or make their next big move. Join us over at A Career That Soars for the Get Shit Done experience. illustrate what you just said, Michelle. So uh, imagine people on a Zoom call or sitting around a conference table, and there's a backlog of something that needs to be processed. And someone in the room says, oh, maybe we should have some of us work overtime. But someone else in the room says, I've thought a lot about this. If we have five people working X hours of overtime over the next Y weeks, we can reduce the backlog by 100%, which will enable us to start to meet our customer uh, service goals. Which of those two people is seen as having executive presence? It's not the first one who says maybe some of us can do overtime. It's the second one who has actually thought in the language of the business. And this could be someone who is a member of a team. It doesn't even have to be a supervisor, but someone who understands that to solve a problem will cost resources. And how can we 
deploy the proper resources to this to a solution that will deliver the goals that we're being paid to deliver. That that's that's the person you will attend to, Michelle, as you were saying. And that's the person who you would consider for advancement and increased yeah. responsibility. 100%, because the first person might be going, oh, my God, how the hell am I going to make my budget if all they want is overtime? Mm -hmm. Because there are no dimensions. There are no, there's nothing, there's no outcome there at all. And it is, it comes up quite often, doesn't it? People are often looking for more resources, whether, whether it's people, whether it's money, uh, whether it's equipment, whatever it may be. Can I have some more money? Mm, no. <laughs> Would you like me to raise revenue uh, by 22%? Yes. What do you need to do that? I need some money. Thanks. <laughs> it's really, that's the stuff. Um, yeah. 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 We kind of alluded to this earlier in the discussion, but, you know, not all people in high profile uh, executive roles have executive presence. So wh why is that? What's missing? It depends on how you define executive presence. So if you define it my way, probably more people have it than don't because most executives have to speak the language of the business. They have to deliver business savvy messages. If you define it in the conventional ways as you have to be wearing designer clothes and have perfect hair, I'm speaking about women, and jewelry that's from the latest designer and shoes from the latest designer, yes, probably a lot of people don't have, a lot of women don't have executive presence. So. To me, the answer depends on how, how you're defining it. And I would say that 100% of outward-facing executives are able to draw and hold attention while delivering a business-savvy message. And whether they're outward-facing to key customers, uh, to key other stakeholders for the organization, to the board or to Wall Street, they will not succeed if they can't deliver a business savvy message. I've just recall so there's a a podcast of one's own by Julia Gillard, Australia's only female prime minister. Um, it is uh, around well, basically Julia interviews women everywhere, but she's had one man uh, on on her podcast, and on the the name of this podcast and it was Thomas Chamorro Pramuzic on why incompetent men become leaders. Now that's a very, very provocative title, but he's written a book about it. And to Susan's point, if you think about those concentric circles, there are many, many confident people who become leaders and hold attention because they can talk the talk. But there's the substance behind that may not necessarily be there or now, now I'm I'm kind of getting into some very different territory here but confidence is not just it you've actually got to have the substance and so that the premise of the book um, and, and this particular podcast episode is that when when particularly in hiring and this is where I want to take this part of the conversation when we're looking for people, when we're looking for talent, it's another place where executive presence 
using uh, we should use executive presence to check out or evaluate folks. Number one, yes, the the core, you know, confidence, charisma, all that kind of stuff. That's some of it, but the the expertise in my industry and my domain and the ability to talk the language of power and and demonstrate that you understand the language of business and can create the outcomes for the organisation. So in this book, he says that, you know, we, we are still hiring based on one, maybe two of those criteria, particularly into very, very senior roles, confidence and charisma, and it is not substantive. It's not substantive enough. So for hiring managers out there going, well, how do I, you know, how might this be uh, applicable? I would be using Susan's model of the three concentric circles. Executive presence is not just about someone who can talk the talk at an interview. You've got to go deeper and then go deeper again. Can they demonstrate their ability, their domain expertise? Can they demonstrate their understanding of the organisation and how they, in their role, are going to take the organisation forwards or to meet its strategic and, and, and financial goals? So, you know, this executive presence model, that concentric circle, I'm already, I'm waving my fingers around here, listeners, but, you know, I've got this visual, uh, it's such an important model for us to assess against as well because we are still too often hiring folks who can talk the talk and talking the talk is not enough so this is what we you know this is the premise of this executive presence podcast mel or this episode is it's the 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 look is not the look whether it's your designer clothes your fabulous haircut your very very smooth talking um, charismatic approach, well, that's that's nice, but it's kind of the wrapping. Um, and I don't know if anyone's ever received a beautifully wrapped gift and then opened it and gone, oh, that sucked. That's what it's, this is about. It's necessary. It's helpful but insufficient. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and to, to, to the opposite, though, you know, we do, you can see people who are enormously accomplished. Now, they don't necessarily have the best delivery. They may not be, they may be slightly dishevelled, you know. I mean, look, I would say that the corporate attire, um, the way people present themselves, particularly over the last two years, has changed significantly. <laughs> so there are certainly people who present themselves for meetings with me now that would always been have been suit and tie now it's kind of you know pretty casual so yeah th those things have changed but the ability to talk about what's really important the outcomes that you create the impact that you're having that's that's the stuff so look beyond the superficial uh, one of the best studies that I have ever seen on executive communication differences between women and men was conducted by Annette Grant. And it points out to the importance of both and, which we've been talking about this whole time. She discovered through an analyzing, she took executives, both women and men, and asked them to answer a very simple question. And it was something about what are the accomplishments I'm most proud of? And she and her team then analyzed 
the responses. They looked for verbal and nonverbal differences between the women and the men. And what she discovered is that women, un we undermine our executive presence, our ability to demonstrate executive presence because we talk more and say less. So that relates to the importance of being direct and succinct. We demonstrate a, what's perceived as, as a lack of confidence when we begin answers with uh, um, and use other fillers. We undermine our executive presence when we clutter our communication with gestures, and this doesn't mean gestures like the normal gestures of using your hands to illustrate something. It's things like twirling your hair, playing with earrings, fiddling with bracelets, etc. So that's all the core stuff. But then she said that they we we also undermine our executive presence because we fail to speak analytically about our achievements, meaning we don't talk about the way we've moved business outcomes forward. And I think that's a very important, and outside of a career that soars, bow tying about the importance of the core and also the importance of the language of power and delivering that business savvy message. We've brought up confidence a few times, and, and I just want to circle back and say that I almost feel like I can hear some of the listeners maybe not quite believing it and thinking that, you know, their confidence is still the, the linchpin to, you know, all their future success. And so I wanted to just plug, please go back and listen to the confidence episode that we produced earlier. It's uh, really important, and I think it will add some more color to this conversation. And if you're a Career That Soars premium member, you have free access to our course on decoding confidence. So That's yes, right. <laughs> take advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not a member, you can join at a career that mm-hmm. So we're, um, we're coming up on, on uh, time here and, and I've got just a couple more questions. I want to talk high level tactical for a moment. So for our women leaders that are listening to this call, when they think about speaking to the CEO, the C-suite, the board members, investors, what matters to those high level stakeholders in terms of their team members having executive presence? I, I can tell you what matters to me as a executive, as a director, and I'm, I'm harking back to something that Susan said earlier, which is when I hear from people in my organisation, I want to hear that they understand the challenges and the opportunities that the organisation has. And I want to hear that in the suggestions, the conversation, the challenges, the, you know, whatever it may be, or the, the business cases. I, I, I want to hear that they are thinking above their own role. I want to hear that they're thinking and considering the business 
in what it is that they're talking about, suggesting, proposing, etc. That's what I want to hear. In many of the workshops that I've done, we have brought executives in to talk about executive presence. And the women in the room have asked that very question, Mel. And in addition to what Michelle said about make your messaging relevant. <laughs> they do also talk about being concise. They talk about being open to feedback and questions. So don't steamroll. If you're making a presentation in an operations review, for example, or your managers made a presentation in an operations review and you're coming in to illustrate some portion of it. Deliver your business savvy message in a succinct and direct way and in a way that invites questions if they need more information. You aren't there to show how much work you've done. You're there to present them with information that will enable them to make decisions. They don't care that you have 1,500 hours of analysis behind you. They want to know what the options you have come up with are and what the pros and cons of that are in relation to the business. That was your knowledge bomb, ladies. 100%. And, and you know, Mel, so I'm excited because I just finished a Your Mantle of Leadership with a group of young women they are elite sports women who are also business women, and we and we've just finished our six weeks, Susan. And I talked about the ship on stormy seas example last week with them. Do you want to talk us about through the the ship on stormy seas example? Yeah, it's one of my favorite quotes. It goes, "No," and it's anonymous. No one knows who came up with it. No one cares the storms you encountered. They only care, did you bring in the ship? In other words, don't weigh people down with how difficult it was to get here. Just get here. And by getting here, I mean, get shit done. <laughs> As Michelle <laughs> talks about, get the outcomes hit. And if you haven't yep. hit the outcomes, have a plan for doing so. so. Yep. What I really like about that, Susan, is that you leave the door open for those people to be curious. Here's what I did. Wow, Susan, you got the ship in. Can you give us a bit of a, you know, some insight into some of the challenges you might have faced? Sure, Michelle, I can tell you about that, but you're not telling me first. You're waiting. You're waiting for me to invite you to tell you. So outcome first, then explain how once you're invited to. That's also very, very powerful. Okay, so last sort of question, more tactical advice for somebody who's kind of lower on the totem pole, right? They're earlier in, in their career. What would you like to encourage them to think about and take action on with respect to executive presence? One thing that I would recommend is to watch how your executives are communicating within the organization. I think that's a very powerful way to learn. And whether they're men or women, you will learn something about how executives communicate, which will be useful to you. Everything that Michelle has said about the importance of the language of power would be a second piece of advice. 
And the third piece of advice is, from, again, my, my early career experience. I often sat in meetings and a man would say something and I'd say, well, I was just thinking that. <laughs> or that's what I wanted to say. Stop letting them go first. And it, as mm -hmm. long as you're speaking from the position of understanding the business and moving the business forward, you can go first. Please go first. I have something else funny to say about that, but I'll let Michelle weigh in. No, I don't. I actually don't have a, a lot else. But you've, you've, yeah, I want. I want you to go first. I, I please take up space. <laughs> take up space. So one of the things I write about in No Ceiling, No Walls, which, uh, by the way, is a free member benefit for premium members, is the importance of preparatory language. So there's a husband and wife couple who from the University of Pennsylvania who did research and discovered that when they're bored, men's minds tend to go to the bedroom and sex or the battlefield and competition. So in order for us to be heard, even if we're prepared with a business savvy message, we have to draw attention to ourselves. And this is where the importance of preparatory language comes in. And the use of preparatory language differs widely across organizations. Some are highly tolerant of it and some are less so. So this is where observing others becomes very important. Preparatory language is making a relevant statement before you make your important business savvy message. So it might be something like, Ah, I agree with what Michelle just said. And to build on it, I would like to add blah, blah, blah. So you've drawn the attention, especially if you name someone else in the room. That is a very powerful tool for the drawing attention piece. And if you are one of the women, and I know we have many in a career that soars who works primarily with men, they love hearing their names. <laughs> So, yeah, and there's more about preparatory language in No Ceiling, No Walls. I've got one particular client organisation and I work directly with the CEO and executive team and I see that, Susan, in play. It's very, very powerful. That, that is really good advice. Thanks. It drives me crazy. I think we should all just be able to have meetings and say important things. But given the research of this couple... Uh, yes, it it's very useful. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's fairly direct and gets to the point and sometimes forgets about the niceties, I, I send an email, I go, oh, I better go back and say, oh, hello, how are you? Instead of blah, 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 straight in. You yeah. know, that's where I have to, you know, outcome, bias for outcomes or bias for action. Yeah, uh, yeah that's where I have to sometimes think, okay, how do I engage the greatness in the others before I kind of get into it? I have the same challenge and what that brings to mind is we've talked mostly about demonstrating executive presence in person, whether it's Zoom or in meetings or giving presentations, but also we have to attend to it in relation to emails. Oh my God, yes. Please don't send me chapter and verse, three dot points. What do yep. I need to do? Yep. Business oriented, speaking to outcomes. Mm-hmm. A little nicety isn't mm -hmm. a bad thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I find myself also 
uh, going back and saying, oh, I should really thank them for blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Before I dive in, you know, they, they send me something and I say, okay, let's do this. And no, no, I said, oh, thanks for the suggestion or thanks for the feedback or thanks for the recommendation. I really appreciate it. And here's what I think about it. <laughs> However, I think there's also there's some stuff around that. I remember saying to teams that I've led, okay, let's work out how we all work together really well. Here's what here's what I do really well. Here's what I don't do so well. So I really hate email and I don't do it well. But and sometimes I'm just gonna if you get a one liner from me, please don't take it as a oh my God, Michelle's really mad at me. She's just sent a please can you get me this report? It's a, I'm time poor and I'm kind of cutting to the chase. And yes, I am using email as an instant message, but text me or phone me, don't email me. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I did have one, in fact, it was a client later on and this firm said to me, Michelle, would actually, we would prefer not to send texts or have phone calls. And I won't let you know what profession they're in, but they're something to do with what Mel does. But they said, we would like an email we'd like a comprehensive email every time and I went okay so that's what you need you're my client and I need to do what you need to do whereas I'm short sharp to the point but engaging the greatness in others and demonstrating executive presence also means having that yeah that presence and that that self-awareness and self-leadership to say what does the other person or people need here from me how do I be in service of them so yeah, there's yeah, written communications are a whole they're, they're a whole other. But it is you're right, Susan. It's a consideration as well. All right, I think we have put a nice bow on this discussion on executive presence. So to recap, just a couple of things: do go back and check out the confidence episode on lead to soar. Join us inside a career that soars. When you become a premium member, you can get access to Decoding Confidence for free. And you'll also get a discount on the courses that we offer, like Your Mantle of Leadership and the Future Executive Presence Yet to Be Named course. And get shit done. And get shit done, yes. So, Michelle and Susan, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. This was great. And I, you said at the start that you thought you'd learn some things. I hope you did learn some things. I totally learned, yes. <laughs> cool, cool. Oh, this was fun. Awesome. It, was it was so fun. good. You both make my brain stretch in different ways, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for downloading Lead to Soar. We so appreciate your support in the form of subscribing, rating, and reviewing the Lead to Soar podcast. We especially appreciate when you share Lead to Soar with friends and colleagues. Lead to Soar is hosted and produced by Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher. To get in touch with either, visit michelleredfern.com and melbutcher.com. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Until next time, stay focused and lead on.